All right, Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Genesis 3, starting in verse 1. Uh, we have been in a series called All the Feels for the last few weeks, just observing from the scriptures what it is uh, that we should do with our emotions. We have emotions. In fact, God, God in his sovereignty has created us with emotions. However, in our fallenness, we can begin to operate by our emotions, governed by them. And so we don't need to reject them altogether, but we do need to submit them under the lordship of Jesus. We need to come under what the Bible says and say, okay, what does the Bible have to say about these emotions and how do I operate in them? And so we've looked at all kinds of emotions. And tonight, uh, the emotion that we'll look, look at is guilt or shame. And you can probably see those things as synonymous. But when I was uh, 16, I got my driver's license because that's normally what happens uh, when you turn 16. Uh, I got my driver's license and uh, my mom had some rules about the vehicle. I don't know. Um, and one of the rules was, hey, you could do whatever you need to do, go wherever you need to go, but you cannot have anybody else in the vehicle with you. You can't drive with anybody else. Okay, that's fine, whatever. Uh, you can't have anybody else in the car, that's fine. Okay, so that's the rule. That's one of the rules at least. And so at, at some point in my driving career, very quickly into my driving career, I decided I'm going to go to a high school girls volleyball game. And so I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I uh, tell my mom, hey, I'm going to go to this, this game. It's at Clearbrook High School. She's like, great, have fun. Don't let anybody ride in your car. I'm like, yeah, cool, whatever. Get in the truck, back out of the driveway, roll out to go to Clearbrook High School. And I'm serious about this. I'm no, no more than two or three minutes from Clearbrook High School. And I'm by myself. And I'm at a stoplight, and one of my friends exits a vehicle, gets on the road, comes to my passenger door, opens it, and gets in my vehicle. I'm like, well, hey there. You know, I don't remember what I said. But now I have a choice to make. I can say, hey, bro, it's so good to see you. But my mom doesn't allow me to have people in the car, so get out. Or I can be like, I mean, it's like two or three minutes. Like, it's not really that big of a deal. I could just keep driving, right? Like, no big deal. And so what do I do? I drive. Keep him in the car. We go to Get out of the car. Go to the volleyball game. Volleyball game ends. We part ways. I get in my vehicle by myself, in my truck by myself. And I come home. And my mom's there because she's my mother and that's where she lives. And she asked, hey, how's the volleyball game? Good. Or something like that, I'm sure. Did you have anybody ride with you in your car? Instantly, I have a choice to make. And instantly, I feel the weight of, you blew it. You had a rule and you knew it. And you deliberately disobeyed. And in your sin cave, you have a choice to make now. You can out yourself and bear the consequences. Or in your feeling of shame, you can hide. And so in that moment, my mom asked me, did you have anybody riding your car with you? And I looked at her and I said, nope. And she looked back at me and said, you're lying to me. And it was like, oh, God. 
I don't know how it happened. I don't know if she had a drone. I don't, I don't know if she paid the FBI. I don't know what she did. I don't know if she just looked in my eye and she just knew, like, I birthed you, boy. I know when you tell me the truth. I don't know. But here's the point. All of us in our sin end up in a place of shame because of our sin. And we have a choice to make in that shame because of our sin. And the choice is, are we going to hide or are we going to hear the voice of God say, where are you? And out ourselves and move forward on whatever path to healing God has for us. And that's what we're going to find here in Genesis chapter 3. A people that are left with a choice between good and between evil. And they choose evil. And that evil leads to shame. And their shame leads to hiding. But God in his kindness moves toward them and says, where are you? And clothes their shame. And we'll see that in Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. We'll actually read the whole chapter together, so follow along with me as we read Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 24. This is what the Word of God says. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to me to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. And for you are dust. And to dust you shall return. 
The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground for which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and flaming sword and turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So as we look at Genesis chapter 3, and as we move back through this story, what we're going to observe is a handful of things. What is the root of our guilt and shame? What is the identity of our guilt and shame? What are the consequences of our guilt and shame? And what is the way out of our guilt and shame? So we can just jump back to the root, enter into the garden, you find a serpent. And the scriptures say that the serpent was more crafty than any of the creatures that the Lord God had made. And this is what he does. He says to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And this is where it starts. The path to your guilt and shame is paved by a game that Satan plays with you by asking you the same question. Did God actually say? Did God actually say that you can't? Did God actually say that you shouldn't? It's Satan's game then and now to get you to doubt whether or not God knows the truth or not. Did God actually say? And he'll do his best to get you to deviate from that. Did God actually say that you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? And look at the woman's answer in verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Do you catch it? He comes in, plays the game, asks the question. The woman begins to answer, and then she misses it. Yeah, God said that we're we're free to eat of any of these trees except for the tree that's in the midst of the garden, and we also, we can't touch it. Your next step on the path to your guilt and shame. After Satan plays his game with you, will be because you do not know the words of God surely enough. Satan will ask his question, and you will not have a sure answer. And you will take away from, or you will add to, or you will not know altogether what God's truth is. And so in that moment, you will hear the lie of the enemy and not have a response. And you'll think, maybe he's right. Maybe he's right. And it's one more step on the path to guilt and shame. And so Satan comes in and he asks the question, And Eve answers, and she adds to the word of God, but look what happens in verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the serpent comes in, and he asks a question, and the woman, she doesn't have a sure answer because she's not confident in the words of God that he originally spoke to her. She actually adds to it. And then Satan plants the seed. You won't actually die. 
Because, because you know what? Because God knows that if you eat that fruit, that you'll be like him. You'll know good and you'll know evil. So really what Satan is saying is this. God's holding out on you. If God really loved you, he would let you. If God really was good, he would give you every tree. And so the truth of it is, Eve, God's holding out. This is what a buddy of mine has said. That God's holding out on you, and we, we buy this lie. The game of Satan and the lie of Satan has not changed, friends. From the garden to 2020, it's been, did God really say, and you won't surely die? It's been God's words not trustworthy and God's holding out on you. And if you're not careful, you'll take one more step toward that guilt and toward that shame. You'll buy the lie. I mean, you live in it, don't you? To be a Christian is just to have a bunch of rules. To be a Christian is not to have any fun. That's just a 2020 way of saying God's holding out on you. And we buy it. And that's the steps towards our guilt and towards our shame. And look what happens in verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And in this moment, they were left with a choice. The serpent entered, the serpent asked, Eve responded, the serpent lied, and they were left with a choice. Do I take or do I walk away? What happens? She takes, she eats, she gives some to her husband. And in that moment, shame enters their life because sin has entered the world. The root of all of our guilt and shame, friends, is found in our sin. The root of all of our guilt and shame is because of sin whether it be Adam and Eve's or our own, the root of all of our guilt and shame is our sin. And you ought to notice, Satan doesn't tempt Eve with something she doesn't care about. He tempts her with things that are a delight to her eyes. That's what the Bible says. She looked and she saw it was good for food and it was a delight to her eyes. She looked, she wanted it. She says, that is good and I want it. So listen to me. Satan will not tempt you with things that you don't care about. He will lure you in with things that look good to you. So you ought to ask yourself the question, what are, what are those things for me? What are the things that Satan's going to put on the end of the hook and dangle in front of my face that left to myself, I will grab to my destruction? What are those things? Know them and war against them. Because apart from that, 
you take steps towards more guilt and more shame because the root of our guilt and shame is in sin, is in sin. But what does that guilt and shame look like? Look at verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to me to be with me She gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So what is the identity of our guilt and shame? It's two things. It's hiding and it's blaming. It's hiding and it's blaming. What happens with Adam and Eve? They hear the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they run and they hide in their shame. That's what Adam responds with. God calls out, where are you? And Adam says, well, I heard you. I heard you walking in the garden, and I was afraid, so I hid. And students, if we're honest about us and our sin, that's where we go. We deviate from God's best and we hide in our shame, thinking that no one will know, thinking that it's best, thinking that we might get away, thinking that it will just go away. We hide in our shame, but it just doesn't look like us scattering into the woods, hiding behind a tree to hide from God. Rather, we do our best to just hide right here. We show up full of shame because of our sin that we feel like we cannot get away from or full of of shame because of our sin that we feel like it's just all over us. But we put on the face and we respond with, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm fine. Things are all right. And we show up week after week, Wednesday after Wednesday, Sunday after Sunday, hiding in plain sight in our shame. It doesn't look any different. We keep hiding. And for many of you in your shame, maybe the hiding is not in plain sight. Maybe, maybe your hiding looks like retracting. You pull away from people in your shame. Because of your sin, you feel ashamed. And so what you choose to do is stop showing up. I'm not going to church anymore. I don't feel safe there. And you, you not only hide but you blame like Adam and Eve. You pull away from the church, you pull away from your community, and as you do it, you don't, just, you don't just confess your sin, you point the finger at everybody else. They're judgmental, they don't love me, they don't care, they're not after my best, and you back away from the very thing that you need to be in to give you life, and you blame them. Because that's what you do in your shame. You hide, and you blame you hide and you blame. And maybe it's not hiding in plain sight. Maybe it's not retracting from your community and blaming them along the way. Maybe, maybe you just hide in your own brain and you self-loathe all day. And you hide and you blame, but the person you blame is you. 
And the person that you actually hate the most is you. Because you feel like you can't get it together. When you're by yourself, you think, if I was serious about this, this would go away. If I really, if I really loved God, I, I, would just, I, would, I would get this right. And in your shame, you hide and you blame. Because that's what it looks like. That's what it looked like in the garden. And that's what it looks like now. Hiding and blaming. So I don't know what you're hiding, what you're blaming looks like. But no doubt, it's the identity of our guilt and the identity of our shame. Let's look what happens next, verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust, and, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is what happens. Sin enters, shame enters, they hide, they blame, but God moves toward them. And in his kindness extends consequence. And the first consequence comes to the serpent. And if you catch Genesis 3.15, you'll catch the destruction of the serpent. It says, I will put enmity between you, serpent, and the woman. And between your offspring, serpent, and the woman's offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And you will get into the New Testament later if you keep reading your Bible. And Paul will say that Jesus will soon crush Satan under his feet. The fulfillment of Genesis 3.15 is Jesus the Messiah, the one who has come to take away our shame. Satan's consequence is destruction. A certain end. And for the woman, verse 16, to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust. And to dust you shall return. So the consequences for the woman. Pain and childbearing. The consequences for the man. Pain in working the ground. The very ground has been cursed because of him. And this sin that has brought about shame. And there's a consequence for everyone in verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So in their shame and in their sin, God's right, good, kind consequence 
is to drive them out of the garden. Separation from their relationship with God happens because of their sin. These are the consequences of our guilt and our shame. These are the consequences of our sin. The ground is cursed. There's pain and childbearing. The serpent will be crushed. And we are shoved out of good, right relationship with God. And if we stopped there, then we sit in our shame. But that's not what God does for them. Look at verse 22. Or look at verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. You might read that and think, well, they were naked, so they need some clothes. You're right. But it's more than that. Notice what happens. Adam and Eve in their guilt and shame run from God and hide. What does God do? He runs toward them and says, where are you? Not because I don't have a clue, but because I love you, I'm going to come after you. Where are you? And instead of hiding, he comes after them. And instead of leaving them in their shame... He covers it through the death of another. How do you think that our shame is dealt with? Those of you who want to hide and those of you who want to blame, those of you who want to self-loathe, you keep looking at yourself and you beat yourself up. But the way to freedom, friends, is not through more hiding and not through more blaming. It's through listening to the God who says, where are you? And taking his offer of freedom through the death of another, namely his son. God clothes our shame through the death of his own son. This is what Isaiah 61 verse 10 says. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robes of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. This is speaking of who we are now in Christ. When you come to faith in Christ, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, when you become a Christian, this is what is true. Your shame that you once hid in has been covered, taken. Your guilt that you once ran from God for has now been covered, taken, paid for, died on the cross with Jesus, and you are now free from it. To hide is to be foolish. To hide is to believe a lie. To hide is to reject Romans 8, chapter 1 that says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So look at me, follower of Jesus. If you are sitting in shame and you are sitting in guilt, none of it is from God. All of it is from the enemy. Because because of Christ in your place, there's no shame left. There's no guilt left. Jesus took it all. So if God doesn't condemn you, why do you condemn you? But if you're in here, 
and you're not a follower of Jesus, then look at me and hear me. You are still guilty. You are still in your shame. Because there is no way out of your guilt and no way out of your shame other than through faith in Christ. He's the way out. He's the clothing of our nakedness. He's the death of another that clothes our shame, that covers our shame, that doesn't leave us in our hiding. Jesus is the one who has died and risen and will give you freedom from your shame and your guilt. So if in this moment, in this 10 seconds, you're hearing me say these things and you're feeling the weight of your sin and you are not a Christ follower, you might, be a, you might acknowledge that there's a God, you might even know Christian things, but you are not a follower of Jesus. Friend, you are, you are in your sin and guilty and Jesus is offering you the way out. Come to Jesus. Believe Jesus. Trust in Jesus. There is no other way. There is no other way. But follower of Jesus, Christian, hear me. Don't hide in your guilt and your shame anymore. Because the God of the universe shouts in the garden, where are you? And moves toward you and covers your shame. And if it's covered, then there's none left. So if God doesn't condemn, why do you? Why do you?